This is episode number 248. Why do you procrastinate? With Adrian Miller, Casey Berman, and Scott Mason. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation, which takes place every single Friday, and that is a part of our weekly series called Survive to Thrive, Attitude of Gratitude. What this is, is a series of conversations where we explore the connection between gratitude and grief, gratitude and resilience, gratitude and procrastination, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today, where you'll be able to see the latest details regarding our upcoming conversation. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our work, and that is if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by making a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and insightful conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. The three people that I couldn't be more happier to procrastinate with than the three right here. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I'm grateful that all three of us are able to be a part of this. I'm truly looking forward to this conversation because I know that every single one of us has their own views and perspectives on, on what it means to procrastinate and the roles that it plays within it. So I figured that the best way that maybe we can even start this off is by exploring the question within the question. And that is, do you procrastinate? Scott Mason, would you like to kick us off? I will start <clears throat> off with that. As much as I might want to, I've got to say that is not a very Scott Mason thing to do. The will and the desire to procrastinate is there. But let me assure you, I grew up in a military family where that was a mindset that was stamped out fast, hard, and with profound effectiveness. Now, I will say there are days where I might put something off until the last viable moment to do it, but I will always get it done. But when I was in college, here's a secret. I should be ashamed to say this, but really I'm proud. (laughs) Finals week was awesome. I always loved it because I was always done with my studying by the end of the class week. I always did my papers in advance and got them out the first day of the finals week or whenever that period was that I needed to get them done by. And I would just sit and chill back and party and catch up on on dancing and going out to clubs and stuff while people would be freaking out over their exams. To this day, I want to procrastinate and there's always a reason why. But rest assured, if I have not done something when I need to, it's because there has been a reason. 
I actually view that, by the way, not as a virtue. There can be a downside to it as well. Um, and so as we discuss this more, I am curious as to what extent procrastination actually can serve some useful purposes. Well, one thing that I can say for sure in regard to what you just shared is I did not have the same college experience as you did. I think for me, some of the projects, if it truly wasn't for the last minute or the last hour, they simply would not have get done. And but it wasn't always like that. But I have learned that over time, those things that I literally chose to accept into my life did become habits after a while. And that's kind of the the tricky part as far as to what degree do you allow certain things to become your norms and to what degree do those things actually impact the trajectory of your life moving forward and business and whatever else that you choose to engage in. Adrian, do you procrastinate? So I did not grow up in a military family, but I grew up with a um, – single underemployed mother who juggled everything and procrastination wasn't allowed in her life. And she, more than I knew then, serves as a role model for me now. I, I got to say, I don't, I, I was going to say really procrastinate. That's a modifier word. I don't procrastinate. Um, I might, and I, even more so, I don't need anyone to tell me I have to do anything. I drive myself harder than anyone could drive me unless they have a cattle prod or some lethal weapon. And then they're going to be harder on me than I would be on myself. But um, do I wait until the last minute? Well, I filed my taxes the day before they were due. I think they would do the 15th. It was the 14th. Um, but no, I, I really don't. And I, and, and Scott, I didn't really think about it until you said it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hard on the people who surround me also. If someone says they're going to do something and, and, and keep procrastinating, it's, it's not a quality I like, and I can put up with it for a little bit. And then I get to be me. And me, it may not be a pretty person to be with when I get to be me because you're procrastinating. And and um, I'd so much rather have a no, I can't do it or I'm not going to do it, than I'm going to do it. And I just, you know, the person never gets to it. That's that's unacceptable for me. Um, but procrastination, I think maybe if you can do it without guilt, opens up some space of time. Um, some freedom that maybe I don't allow myself. So there, I think, Scott, you put a point in my head and I said, that's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. I have planned procrastination. Maybe that's it. I, pr I plan to procrastinate on Sunday with you, Scott. Strategic procrastination. Right, over coffee and dinner. I put it on the calendar. <laughs> Check my calendar. I have scheduled procrastination. So that's amazing. Casey? <laughs> I do. I do a lot. I hope no one views me negatively. Uh, I do. I guess they can. I think when you when you think about procrastination, it hit me in the past year or so. Um, someone defined it for me as as self-sabotage 
when you really think about what is procrastination. And and as I've gone through, I think procrastination, there, there's two levels. There's the first level, which is, is uh, you could say smaller things. But uh, I think, for example, for me, I have some, I'm a fine with spiders, but when it comes to paperwork, I just, I just can't do paperwork and the DMV, like I have something at DMV. I just, and so I think even though it's all online now, I still, the DMV, I associate with paper and lines and I can't get out of my head, but I feel like the first level of procrastination are those things that we just don't align with, that we find boring, that we just aren't interested in. So finals, right. Or, or, um, DMV paperwork or your taxes. I mean, it's like, oh, I just don't want to spend time doing it. And since you don't enjoy it, you save it up, you, you hopefully rely on stress or a deadline to compel you. A bigger level of procrastination, I feel, is where it's self-sabotage. And these are the things not filling out the form with the DV, DMV, but these are the starting my new blog or starting a podcast or becoming the new me. And we've talked about playing big and playing small. And I feel like that level is bigger, probably is less things, but by number, but by quality, these are the life-changing things. Mm -hmm. And for me, that procrastination is literally self-sabotage. Um, and it's a way that, that you've been protected because if you start that new blog or apply to the new big job or do whatever it is, then you're going to change your life and you're going to do something unknown. And that's the theme I talk a lot about is, is that fear of the unknown. So I think when, when people are procrastinating, get thrown out, thrown out a lot. One is just see, is it something you just can get done in, in an hour and it's something you don't enjoy doing. So either delegate it, find someone who can do it for you or, or just power through it and realize it'll be done in 43 minutes. If it's a bigger thing, just realize that it's not really procrastination. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of playing big. It's the fear of the change in your life. So then you got to say, well, why am I procrastinating then if there's such a great thing on the other side? And we know that, right? That's the, you're, you're, you're not being your full self. Um, who am I? Uh, self-worth. I mean, procrastination ties a lot into self-worth. So I'll pause there. But for me, as I was thinking about the show, I it sort of broke down into those two you know, lowercase p and capital P procrastinations. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I, I think it's interesting that all three of you pointed out is actually a similar article that I read within the past three to four days. And it was talking about how procrastination is not oftentimes the lack of organization or prioritizing certain things, but rather it's the disconnect that happens or not a disconnect, but it's the inability to deal with certain emotions, anxiety, depression, yeah. fear, as you were talking about it, or even just the pure act of boredom. For me, what I've noticed about myself is I love to create, but if you put me in a situation where I'm having to maintain it, man, that's a different ballgame. That's yeah. a different set of skills. And before that, I misunderstood it. I thought that, okay, I can apply the same exact skills that I apply in creation into maintaining and sustaining that project, which ultimately is not like not the and, case. And I realized in that moment that in me choosing to quote unquote procrastinate, what I'm actually doing, because in those moments, I would recognize the, mo the times where I'm procrastinating 
and I would immediately go back to my to-do list and try and reorganize it. And I don't know if any of you experienced this, but I experienced experienced this quite a bit where I would go back to the to-do list. I would literally rip it out and rewrite it to make myself believe that I'm somehow me doing more work or yeah. being productive when the reality of the matter is I just I wasn't taking the time to deal with the anxiety or the unknown. I mean, visualizing that final result, as you were mentioning, Casey, like, what is that feeling of when I do accomplish this? I'll address that. First of all, I will not procrastinate. I refuse to procrastinate around saying hello to my homegirl, Melody, who is in the house. It is good to see you, Melody. Thank you for coming. So, I lied a little bit a minute ago. There have been times when I procrastinated, but they go, or maybe I didn't lie. I think I qualified myself and said that there's a reason. And it's interesting that you say that because a very extreme example from which more nuanced thinking about this can perhaps be developed occurred in something that Oleg, you and I discussed on our other show, Just a Squirrel, I think it was last week, Mm -hmm. which was the suicide of a friend of mine in college. I was devastated, devastated when someone that I was close to and early in college killed herself. And I found out not only that she likely had suffered during the course of her suicide, and obviously she was suffering psychologically or she wouldn't have felt the need to kill herself in the first place. I never was late with a paper, an exam, anything. In fact, I usually was early, except that one time. I remember I saw the English professor whose deadline I just missed the final paper for at the funeral. I was crying and she looked at me and she patted me on the shoulder. And then a couple of days later, I said, look, I fucked up. I've just been so distracted by the grieving that I couldn't do it. And she, of course, gave me an extension and was forgiving. But that goes in a very extreme, stark way as to what you were talking about, which is I could not deal with an emotion Mm -hmm. or I was dealing with it, but it was an emotion that was so overwhelming that my process for dealing with it didn't allow me the psychological space to focus on an English paper. And so from there, then we have something that is easy to any for anyone to understand why dealing with a suicide would cause emotional overwhelm, particularly to a young person who hadn't experienced that sort of thing before, into more nuanced situations like the ones Casey was talking about, which it, which are related to stepping into the unknown or imposter syndrome or fear of success, which I don't have, but fear of failure, which I do. Mm. Casey? Yeah. Uh, I, so I'm sorry, Scott. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, that brings it home. Um, yeah, I, 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 in a situation, I, I don't know if, you know, Scott, when you were talking about it, if that was really procrastinate, it, it's interesting. Let me just process what you were saying there around that, you know, one could say if they wanted to be kind of to the point is that, well, I get it, but you should have been preparing. Life happens, right? And and I don't want to be cold, but but like this comes up, you should have had your essay done prior, right? Hey, look, you and I are attorneys. Yeah. We've heard of judges, for instance, that have yeah. not been willing to adjourn cases because of 
deaths in the family. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. a case deadline here. Get to work. Get to work. So you could say say that. Um, and yeah, yeah, life comes out. I mean, it. What it says is, I guess for me, where where I've been able to combat the procrastination is is making it making it uh, smaller bites. And so, I mean, I've got like four projects right now that I need to do that I, to, to your point about the to-do list, oh, like they're, they're not on Friday's day, they're on Saturday. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get them done tomorrow in some way. Uh, and so, and somehow, and so I think if you just literally spend 10 minutes on what is a two-hour project and kind of carve it out that way, that's probably an, an easier way. That takes some discipline. That takes some military training, right? That takes that takes that certain level of, of programming. But I think it does the the best way around procrastination, I think, is to is to one shine a light on it, let we're doing what it really is. It's a fear. And then two, just take incremental steps. Um, put a project plan, put a project plan in place for your DMV, right? Like I'm gonna take 10 minutes, I'm gonna print this up. I know that sounds crazy. Um, but but literally do it. And I think when I bite things off it, in small pieces, um, it's less overwhelming for me. It's less imposing. Mm -hmm. I've started doing the same exact thing. And I know, well, not I know, but I can only assume that, Adrian, you probably do a similar thing where you break it down into smaller steps. I've noticed that when I started to approach my to-do list or just the everyday things that I wanted to accomplish – Instead of solely writing down the project or the objective, you know, gather emails for X number of people, what I have found myself is that it was easier for me to actually break that task into incremental steps. So if by Friday I want to have 5,000, 10,000 emails for X, Y, and Z contacts, what if I break it down into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday actions instead of Put, literally, that's what ends up happening, as you described, is that I used to put it off until tomorrow. I would look at the big thing and I would say, oh, I'll get it done on Saturday. When the reality of the matter is sometimes the projects, they take way longer than the 14 or 16 hours that I'm awake, which I've also got to be a real, realistic. That's not 16 hours straight that I'm working. Best half, eight hours that, that that's, I think it, it is a best estimate. So breaking it down into more actionable steps, that's something that I found to be a more, more realistic approach, but everyone does it differently. Everyone has their own ways of doing it. Adrian, how do you personally do that? Cause you so, seem to be very organized on top of your stuff. So many things here. I was actually jotting down some, just some points that everybody said. So number one, Scott, I don't even think of the word procrastination when you can't get something done because you're grieving. I, I That word didn't even come through my head. Now, I know you two are attorneys and some asshole judge might say get past it because someone fucking died and who cares. But I, I, I'm sorry, get a life, Mr. or Ms. Judge. I don't think of the word procrastination there. It's, we're talking about humanity. Where do we? Where have we gone that we cannot allow that time? For me, I feel like I don't procrastinate so much because I have made things into kind of habit. So people procrastinate going out for their jog or going to the gym or doing that kind of stuff. 
It's a habit for me. I don't even have to think about it. The running shoes are there. I put them on. It doesn't even feel right to not put them on. You know, it became a habit. It's hardwired. Um, so that's one thing that works for me a lot. Breaking it into small pieces. Absolutely. It is so much easier to finalize and finish a task um, when you when you parse it out. Okay. And that could be for something that's intellectually challenging, something that's boring. I can't stand to be bored for an hour, but I can be bored for 10 minutes. I can go on the DMV site and figure out how I can renew my license because they made the site ridiculous. But then I know I'm, I almost set a timer. Okay. 10 minutes. I can get a, I can like do something smart now. All right. So, you know, whatever it may be, 10 minutes of fear, 10 minutes of boredom, 10 minutes of imposter syndrome. I can't believe I'm writing this speech and I am so stupid and this group is so smart, but at least let me start. Let me start, okay? And if you start and you put aside for, you know, an hour and then you go back to it. So that bits and pieces also, um, I think, save sanity. I've, I'm always looking to save sanity, and getting started, sometimes that's why habit for me works. Getting started is hard sometimes. So I make it a habit. I have to do it. And it, it's not a negative have to do ultimately because the end result is good and positive. Mm -hmm. But it's just getting into the routine of doing it. Um, so those th those things really um, resonated for me. But, but bits and pieces, it's funny you said the DMV. But yeah. we all have things that are just... For me, procrastination stems out of boredom. Of what I'm thinking as we're talking, of what are the things that cost me to procrastinate the most? Like, it's boredom. It's it's not meaningful to me. It, it, I don't see really. And yes, there'll be a value. I won't get pulled. I won't be arrested because I have an expired license. Or cleaning out my closet, I might be able to find the clothes that I'm looking for because it's cleaned out. But the boredom of doing it, so the idea is, and I think, um, Casey, you alluded to it, there's task rabbits for everything. Mm -hmm. And it, if you are so inclined to bring in somebody who will, you can hire somebody to do anything. To You can hire someone to wait online at the DMV. I know that. I know people who have done it. I could probably hire, oh, I know I can, people who do like clutter consulting, they can take care of my closet in a minute. Mm -hmm. You hire people to, you know, procrastinate from cleaning your house. It looks like a freaking pigsty. You can hire someone to, to clean your house on whatever basis and frequency you want. So we can come to terms with it and kind of start to eliminate it in a lot of different ways. But I think there are, there are situations where you don't want to eliminate it. So it must be feeding you somewhere. You, it's, you're totally right, Adrian. And I think that the task rabbit and the steps, and I see a question about tactics, which we can get into and how to prioritize. For me, Adrian, I think you hit the nail on the head around the, around the, the, the boring things, the first level of procrastination, right? Uh, then, so you get someone to help or delegate. The bigger one, which it doesn't seem like you have or, or Scott has, but the, for the folks, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the success, right? Like, how, when do I start? Even if I'm, even if I'm going to delegate writing a book, when do I start even 
thinking I'm an author, right? Yeah. Even if I delegate all the technical stuff, who, who am I to start a podcast? Who am I to start my own business? Who am I to even think about a prom promotion or whatever it is? And so not everyone suffers from that, but I think that there is a lot. And that's sort of the capital P. And you can't delegate. You, maybe we can, but you can't delegate. Um, I was going to say you can't delegate self-worth, but but it, it's almost like there's fear to overcome. There's fear to at least mitigate. And maybe you can. Maybe you can hire a coach. So, so I see with Adrian, we can delegate a lot. Maybe we can. Maybe that's something we need to explore. I mean, how do we assign? How do we delegate? How do we find a task rabbit to increase self-worth, to overcome the fear of the unknown, right? I'm going to take this in a different direction. First of all, I have to give a shout out. Melody, thank you for your sympathy about around my friend. Jessica, please, good to see you again, but please keep procrastinating at least for another 45 minutes or so. <laughs> half an and then, and, and then Kit, it is so nice to see and meet you and thank you. Adrian, you said earlier, where's the humanity in all this regarding the judge who might not care if someone died? They want, they want those motion papers in by the return date. And then the conversation has moved to delegation. One of the things that I also want to inject into the conversation is that all of us are presumably at a certain economic level or a certain professional level or a certain social economic, socioeconomic class level where we can have these discussions. As someone that used to work with companies that dealt with homeless people or people like domestic violence shelter survivors, people that were in desperate economic straits, delegation was not an option. And procrastination was a big issue you would find with them. A lot of them, it was because they were overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed with things that are a little less universal than grief. So yeah. the world doesn't view it as necessarily, uh, no one says, oh, you're homeless. Where's the humanity? You're feeling overwhelmed. The steps to get out of homelessness or to rebuild your life if you're a domestic violence victim are so overwhelming. And the emotion states that people get into are so overwhelming. And they don't, if they, a lot of times they are um, individuals that are single who have multiple children that are in no situation or no position to be able to delegate anything except the most basic tasks to. And so, Casey, going to what you're saying about, well, there are these psychological barriers that it represents. And then the thinking about the grief that I had, what I want to say is that all of these grief is the most extreme, perhaps, feeling state that we can have that would justify me. I could have simply said, I'm going to put my grief aside, gritted my teeth and get out there and wrote that dog on paper. It would have been right. garbage, but I still could have done it. It's one that we're all sympathetic to, but what about the next level where yeah. we're not as a society, all of us individually maybe, and I suspect knowing those that are watching this show today, I, mm. I know that they all would be empathetic, but many people mark my words, having worked in the field, are not empathetic yeah. to the struggles that homeless people face. For me, a big goal, and I, I have to say, I, I again, this is something I'm procrastinating on. I need to break it down into small steps. My goal of ruling the world, of uttering complete world domination, that's a big goal. I've been procrastinating, and I haven't <laughs> been able to write the steps because there are too many. It's too hard. I'm overwhelmed. But people might not find that particular goal sympathetic, although I hope everyone on this call, call understands that is a wonderful goal for me. <laughs> but those goals that might yeah. be less ambitious, but are even more psychologically overwhelming, rebuilding your life when your partner has 
taking everything that you have away from you, including your scent. When you're no more than a Barbie doll that's had the arms and legs ripped off, the you know the hair cut off and then thrown into the trash, where do you even begin to get past the basic things that can that procrastinations can keep you from moving beyond? Yeah, yeah. I got to get out of Scott's world before I'm going to be the one ruled over. So that's the first <laughs> tiny step I got to take. A separate plan, right? That goal. Yeah talk about baby steps but you know there's something that you mentioned that i find interesting it's and it's the not only the impact of one's environment but more so being in a particular state and then elevating into the next jessica pointed out a very interesting point something that i experienced and i'm curious if any of you experienced this as well she says i procrastinated less when i was in a space of desperation if i'm being honest I find that to be interesting because in the moment where, let's say, desperate times do come, which I'm, I can only assume all three of us have somehow experienced or all four of us some, somehow experienced that once upon a time in our lives. How do you maintain that hunger that you had during moments of desperation or du during moments of working through a particular adversity to get out of it? Once you got out of it, can I ask a question? Of course. So it's not even a question; it is a thought. So um, everyone knows people who have, yes, who have been thrown into um, really horrible um, situations, uh, right? Ripped apart, mm -hmm. abused, blah 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 blah. Um, some manage to catapult themselves um, out of it in uh, maybe not quite catapult, but get out of it. Others have um, languished, admired, and and it 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 um, it, it, it got over, overwhelmed them. I know siblings that came out of the same horrific situation, horrible um uh, bad abuse in the family uh circumstances that you know would you you you'd shudder to hear one of them same upbringing same this same one of them successful this is many many years later um successful contributing member of um what we call contributing member of society um in control of the path that they're taking um, and have managed to somehow do whatever they did with their demons. The other, 180 degrees different, 360 degrees are different, um, and is battling um, mental illness, drug abuse, um, homelessness, and everything else. Same family. So. Is this hardwired in us? Okay. Um, because I think your point when you raised Scott was, I feel like the discussion of procrastination is like, like a first world conversation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we're like, we're privileged enough to talk about procrastination. And some people can't, they can't even have that conversation. So is it hardwired? Are some people more capable of doing all these things? Other people, the same circumstances got tamped down forever. 
It's a really that's a really good question. And actually, to add another question on top of that for Casey or Scott, whichever one would like to answer first, what is the connection between victim mindset and procrastination? Yeah, that came up. I was thinking of the V word as well. First, I want to. Uh, yeah, I'll take that, and then Scott will disagree with me. But what I'd like <laughs> to, I want to talk. Kit had a comment there. Do any of you use the tactic of having three priorities of the day to complete out of your to-do list, or do you have a different strategy that you have found works for you? Great question. What's worked well for me is to is to bucket my my the to-dos. And one, don't Casey, don't put forty-three things to do on Tuesday. That was the first thing, right? Like. What was I thinking? But one is urgent. Like, do I need to write this email back to this person now because they need something? So it's urgent. It's then um, the frog, which I'll tell you about. And then it's other. And so urgent makes sense. The frog, Mark Twain has that quote, I think, if you have to eat a frog, I'm going to butcher it, but do do it the first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. The idea being, if you've got the biggest, hairiest thing that you don't like or that you're bored or that is the the starting your own business, start it first thing in the morning. Just start on it when you've got your energy, when you've got your coffee, because if you put it till noon or 3 p.m., you're not going to get to it. You're just going to get more and more afraid of it. So it's a Mark Twain quote, quote about the frog. So I, I have three buckets, urgent frog type things, which is usually more creative or some story I need to put together. It takes some thought. It's something I've been procrastinating because uh, it, it'll help grow like that. And I won't see results right away. Um, and then other the other stuff that I either get to or not. But to answer Kit's question, th that's how I sort of bucket my day. Is that three oh. separate lists? So like, for example, I operate in two lists. I'll have a list. Actually, I'm... I'm not, that's not even the full truth. I have one list that I've convinced myself that it's two lists. That one list, what it is, is <laughs> week's goals. So I will put everything that I choose, that yeah. I aspire to accomplish that whole week from Sunday to Sunday. And then what I will do is on Monday, I, and then I try to prioritize it as far as which one is the most important, second, third, fourth, fifth. Yeah. So on Monday, I'll tackle the first task, cross it off Tuesday, second, third, and then what I'll do from one day to another is I'll actually, once I cross off a certain thing, I'll rip out that sheet and I'll write the things that I'm still yet to accomplish on the, on the new sheet. So slowly yeah. that list becomes smaller and smaller. I'm curious when it comes to you, is that three separate lists, three separate buckets? Like how do you, what it, does it actually look like on paper? It, yeah. So it's, so there's the year. And actually, I whittled down a lot. I mean, there's like probably 30 things I'd like to get done in the next six, seven months. Then from there, I pull into my week. And then from my week, I pull into my day. And each of those are color-coded. There's a few businesses I do, which have another color, and then, and then family stuff. So I've got probably the next eight months. Then I pull out of that. I assess it each Sunday night. What do I want for that week? And then I pull into the day. So I sort of filter that way. Um, so then about victim, I mean, Adrian, you brought up that about, and, and Oleg, you and I were thinking similarly, so I'm happy you brought it up. So when I thought about that, about the siblings, which is a great story, I thought about, you know, Viktor Frankl and his book from, from the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And I think about the quote, which is a miracle is really just a change in perspective. Yeah. And so I kept thinking about procrastination. Is this something that developed countries deal with and in the developing country you're 
at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy and you're just literally trying to have shelter and food. And, and so then I started thinking about, we literally are having this conversation within the framework of productivity where that we're human doings and not human beings, right? I mean, if we were in the framework of human beings that you can catch your breath, that you can suffer, that you can grieve, like Scott talked about, um, it'd be totally like, I don't even know if procrastination would as a exist? topic would exist exactly if we viewed the world as more of, I'm not saying kubaya, smoke your, smoke your joint and sit on a beach. Sounds great. But I mean, if we just weren't so focused on productive I mean, and productivity, I mean, there's so many productivity apps and how do you buy an app for an app for an app? And so one is for us to think about and maybe peek out of the matrix a bit, which is to realize let's have this conversation, but realize the sandbox in which we're having it. And there's a lot of other sandboxes out there where procrastination is, is not even an issue because we're not so hung on productivity. But the victim mentality, I think in that situation, you had the person who was successful by our standards who said, I am not, I am going to not let this happen to me. Whether they, and this person probably did it subconsciously is, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to view procrastination or this issue as maybe I'm just not going to view it. I'm not going to think about it. And then you had the other person who said, woe is me. See, I told you. They get what David R. Hawkins talks about, that cheap payoff. See, I told you the world was horrible. I told you my parents were horrible. And I'm just going to repeat this cycle within my mind, even at the very least, to kind of reiterate these, these projections I'm making on the world. And so that's my take as to why those two siblings could be different. And um, it's sort of inspiring me to look at procrastination as opposed to that big, hairy thing I have to get on a Saturday, which I could spend with my kids or I could do something else. Why don't I celebrate the fact that I have this opportunity to create something? Yeah. Right. I have an opportunity. DMV is an opportunity. Casey, just develop country. Get it done. Stop it. Mm -hmm. Like someone else would love to have a car. Like just get over yourself. Right. So. There we go. And then the bigger thing that I'm procrastinating on, I have an opportunity to think big thoughts and connect the dots. Yeah, but I have to do it at 8 p.m. after I put the kids to sleep and I'm going to miss the Warriors game. Fine, miss the Warriors. Like, who cares, right? So this is helping me. I'll stop here, but I've this has really helped me crystallize my thoughts on all these things that I have for Saturday. So thank you, Adrian. And that, Can I ask a question also? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say it's a great, great book, actually, for those that haven't had a chance to read it. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Just exceptional. Go ahead, Adrian. Okay, wait, I just wrote it down. Um, so you mentioned your kids, and I then I was thinking about procrastination at, from the vantage point of having older kids, okay? Mm -hmm. in, in my viewing of... Uh, child rearing and parenting and all the rest of that stuff. And from um, the perspective of been there and done that, I believe that children will procrastinate doing things because they are caught in the moment and the excitement and the learning of something and will not think about what has to be done, what has to be done. Um, some and that was making it very beautiful and wonderful they could literally be doing something completely boring and stupid and not really beneficial to them you or the rest of the oh, world yeah. and i know that okay <laughs> but 
Okay. So they've pro or they've just procrastinated and they had that homework to do for Monday or in bigger cases, um, my son, um, Siemens Westinghouse, um, exhibit to submit and procrastinate, starting it, procrastinate, starting it. And parents pull their kids out of the friggin' fire all the time. I never did ever. I remember saying the words, you fucked up, but I finished school. I did it. Now you'll have to figure out how you're going to make that good with your teacher or whatever else, or you'll suffer the cir circumstances and the consequences. And really, this is not going to impact your life. Trust me, like you, when you're uh, 30, you will not be thinking about this. Maybe they are thinking about it because they are 30. But um, I think we we train procrastinators too. We actually do because we have little procrastinators. Let's not romanticize what they're procrastinating on. We, we have little procrastinators and we take them out of the impact of their procrastination. We eliminate for them. We'll rush to the store at uh, whatever night and we'll make their stupid totally. diorama. We'll make their stupid dioramas, put little cotton balls there to pretend they're clouds. And they'll come in with their diorama and they'll get a nice mark from the teacher, but they should they should suffer the consequences of their procrastination. And maybe if they grow up, they will not procrastinate. 100%. Uh, well, I will. I agree with that. And, and it looks like Jessica and Melody both <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> I will say that, though... <laughs> There can be the opposite extreme. In my case, I don't procrastinate because, as I mentioned before, I lived in a military family. But the consequences for making mistakes, for actually daring to procrastinate, were so also so over the top severe that it took it it put me in a position where I don't procrastinate. But if the the fact that I don't procrastinate and meet deadlines over and over. Or, uh, or accomplish incredible workloads against the odds isn't appreciated, particularly if there are other colleagues around that are paid more than I am or the same, but accomplishing less and late all the time, then it can turn into extreme hostility on my part. And, and that's another area where I don't have the victim mentality that causes me to procrastinate in the first place but I fight very hard to not engage in a rage responsive victim state if I'm if that's if the fact that I don't do that isn't appropriately acknowledged. Mm -hmm. I worked for a company once where it was known of the members of the executive team I had the largest workload. I was the only member who was of the executive team who was a representative on two of the committees of that organization's board. <clears throat> which meant I stayed late more than anyone else just because of that. But I just, I had a bigger workload and I just, I had more to do. And despite that, the boss I had, I had whose belief was to push people to their max came to me one day after I had worked 21 days straight, including the prior weekend, which had included Easter. And on Easter, when I went in that Saturday, Sunday, I looked in the morning, no one had signed in yet to that building. And when I left, no one had signed into the building. And that had been the third weekend in a row that I had worked. And he said to me, 
my boss, Scott, I don't feel like you're really working enough. I don't think you're putting enough into the job. Mm-hmm. Knowing full well that the other members of the executive team generally had less work and none of them had been there with me over the weekend and no, they were not working from home. And so I didn't procrastinate. I met my deadlines like clockwork come hell or high water. But the price was that I felt unless I was receiving appreciation for that or a raise, I was in complete victim mode, which again, in my show, in my case, shows up as aggrievement or rage or F you or, you know, those sorts of things. And so victim mode can cause procrastination. I, but how do we respond if the failure to procrastinate is something that blows up in our face, which is what I ultimately felt was happening. I, my lack of procrastination, my willingness to work hard was, was taken for granted and it blew up in my face. I was disciplined after having worked 21 days straight for not working enough. That's it's a really good point. And I think it also, it makes me think of another story, not directly related to what you were sharing, Scott, because I, I haven't, I think throughout my life, I've only had one or two people who were in the form of a boss ever after that. And those were very short periods. After that, I've always had some sense of control over my own income and schedule and everything. But I will share this, or this is where it triggered. Procrastination, in seeing someone else procrastinate and then them hitting that goal, and yet you are still working and haven't hit that goal. I think it's a similar thing. It's a similar feeling. I know I've struggled with this for many, many years, if I'm being honest, where I would have some of my friends within my circle who would procrastinate because they would acknowledge that they're procrastinating, and yet they're still able to achieve their dreams. And meanwhile, I'm on the other end of that, And that's working 60, 70, however many hours a week and not hitting those goals. And that's for me, I don't know if there's a question within that or what it is, but that's been a personal challenge. And I think how I've been able to reframe that over the years is by just reminding myself that each and every single one of us are on their own journeys and how or why certain things happen in your life are most likely going to be different. So in in your case, and by no means, I'm not trying to reframe or correct your perspective, but maybe you were meant to work that many hours to develop some either personal skill that you can fall back on now, which I know you do, or there was some other thing that had developed during that experience that made you see differently. One of them being that I don't want to work for a boss who has me come in on the weekends where no one else chooses to show up. That's where the victim mentality required a mindset change. My initial response ultimately was to, I, I, within a week had signed papers to leave and start a business with a, with a, with a, um, with a co-founder. And so it did drive me out or I chose to leave. You can see there's even a little bit of victim mentality there. When I say it drove me out. I was an, I had agency there, but you're right. I had to, and have had to let go of the aggrievement and work on, because the other thing that's embedded in that is we have choice when it comes to 
being people that don't procrastinate, Adrian and I, that yeah. is a reflection of our own agency. And when we are annoyed or furious because people do procrastinate, to what extent is that really justified? And then to what extent is it, uh, in my case, I will only speak for Scott, that aggrievement or that default victim mentality coming out. I would have done it. I've had to, I've had to meet so many deadlines. So why shouldn't you? And then I leave the, as Adrian so beautifully put it earlier, the humanity behind. Mm -hmm. And, and a struggle for me is tempering that. How patient can I and should I be with people that don't bother to meet deadlines? Um, is that is that really my aggrievement or is it something that is an expectation that's reasonable that I should be elevating other people to? How do I moderate those knowing that there's a psychological block or a, a not productive or a, a non a somewhat dysfunctional psychological default that I can slide into. It's hard for me, at least. Oleg, you know, you bring that up. I, I encourage us all to look at this belief system, mm -hmm. which is work hard, work a lot. So that's just what we think about, particularly here in America in this age. And I'm not, I'm not saying slack off, but what I am saying is for, let's look at some other ones. Mm -hmm. Working from home is bad. Um, Standardized tests determine who goes into college. Um, what else, right? We could go on and on, right? Capitalism is is the way to go. That's just where we need to be. Okay, people didn't, in the 1600s, everyone worked from home. There was no going to the office, right? We went to the office because the Industrial Revolution happened. And all of the 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 people that fund all of the big buildings in New York had big factories and they say, get in here or else. I mean, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. Chicago, New York, and, and that's fine. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it is. The standard I say, you know where the SAT came from? In World War I, the United States entered the war and they had all of these people and they pulled everyone and said, can you read? Are you literate? Because if you're literate, you're an officer. If you're illiterate, you go to the trenches. 82% of everyone said, yeah, I can read. All right. Well, they can't back then. So they did a bubble test to see who could read and who couldn't. That and that literally determined, right. Okay, well, the education system in the 20s said, interesting concept. That's how we get into college is fill bubbles. And it didn't come from some high-minded idea. It came from literally the U.S. Army in 1914 and 15 saying, who's going to live as an officer and who's going to die in the trenches? But to this day, it's bubble test, right? What else? I mean, Copernicus saying, hey, you know, we actually rotate around the sun everybody, not the other way. So we have these frameworks and, and I'm, I'm being a little flippant with it, but pardon me. But one of the frameworks that we talked about here is work a lot, work many hours, work hard. Now, one reason why my team, Steph Curry is so great and makes it look so easy with this three pointers is he puts a lot of time and effort into it. And I'm not saying don't put time and effort into it. But one thing I'm trying to break through, and this goes to your point, Oleg, about how some people just show up a minute before and nail it because they're they're doing it different than than the belief system of you got to put 80 hours in. Mm -hmm. And putting 80 hours works for some people and it doesn't work for others. And and I think this it's a myth. This this belief how in the heck did they do it? They didn't work x amount of hours. I literally want us to just peek our head above and look and say you don't have to. Some of it is just pure talent. Some of it is alignment. Some of it is, if you if you look in Star Wars movies, particularly in Rebels and sometimes in Clone Wars, before Jedi's go into battle, they meditate. 
Kanan Jarris gets on his knees and sits there and just meditates beforehand. And there's a quote, I think either Gandhi or Thomas Aquinas said it. I've got 10 hours of work today. I need to meditate for four. And you would say, what are you talking? Meditate for four? You got a whole day. And his point was reflecting and aligning. And I think the hours, I just encourage us all to realize with procrastination and everything to understand that, you know, you ask a fish, how's the water? The fish is going to say, what water? They just live in it. I think we just live in this yeah. mix of how many hours did you work? I mean, consulting businesses are based on how many hours you worked. That literally is their metric. And so I'm not saying let's scrap it all, but I, I would like us, I try to do it because I fall in the trap, kind of looking around at the water around me and understanding why I think a certain way. It may be because these aren't necessarily my beliefs, they're beliefs from someone or something else. Wow. Well, due to the time, Obviously, the four of us and everyone else, Jessica and Melody, who's a part of this conversation, can keep talking for however long. But just out of respect for everyone's time, I just want to briefly mention, what are some ways that people can connect with the three of you? I'll start with you, Adrian, because you are our special guest today. Where can people find more about your work, what you're doing, anything that's coming up within your world? Um, LinkedIn's always good. Um, Adrian Miller, I come up Adrian Miller. I think it's, uh, you know, LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. Adrian Miller sales training or, um, uh, email me or adrianmiller.com is one of my websites. I have four, so I'm just giving one because otherwise it's truly overkill. <laughs> and, um, but, but LinkedIn's good because I, I'll reply to a message and then we can pick it up and, and take it from there. So that'd be great. Casey. Yeah. Leave I help unhappy lawyers leave the law and find an alternative career, break out of their own, their own matrix and Casey C A S E Y at leave or find me on LinkedIn. Scott Mason. Muted. Can't hear you. And I was just getting loud. <laughs> My podcast, PurposeHighway.com, is where you can hear stories of entrepreneurs, influencer, influencers, and leaders who have found their higher purpose and built a better self and then a better world. Look me up, s.scottmason on LinkedIn or speakerscott.com, speakerscott.com. I'd love to hear from you. That's awesome. Well, thank you all for being a part of this show. Thank you for everyone that chose to tune in. What I ask is for anyone who has found these conversations to be useful in their lives, if you'd consider supporting our work by making a contribution through our site, leaving us a review through Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you can find us, these conversations for me have had a big impact in my life because they have helped me see the world differently. And obviously, as the four of us can tell, just this conversation, we could be having this for the next three hours just because of how fascinating and how much more there truly is to explore. I mean, the questions that I'm leaving with in regard to parents and kids, to what degree do you choose to support the kids form of procrastination or the inability to deal with some of these other things like boredom, anxiety, or the fear of the unknown? You know, Adrian, you brought up a really, really good point. Like in having lived your life. And that's not to say that your kids are going to live the same exact path, but you understand that, okay, maybe not passing the test in eighth grade is not the end of the world. 
you know, there's going to be another test beyond that. In fact, there will be thousands of other tests outside of the schooling. So to what degree do you choose to support? So just, I really appreciate the four of you for being a part of this and everything that you've shared and everything that you continue to bring to this world. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider supporting our work by making a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these inspiring and insightful conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.